Hey, this is Pastor John Ryan Cantu from Numa Church in Houston, Texas. Thank you for listening to the message today. I hope that it blesses you and all those that you share it with. God bless you. I'm ready to preach on this Pentecost Sunday. So if you could just remain standing, it's going to be Acts chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, Acts chapter 1. Amen. Anybody happy to be in the house of God this morning? Amen. What a privilege it is for us to be able to be here and be loud and worship and play these instruments and, 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 and not, have to, not have to do so in silence, right? Because when, when you experience the joy of the Lord, there's something about you that you just, man, you want to shout, man. You want to you let people know. You want to, especially when you come in with other believers, uh, there was a brother this morning, a pastor from Honduras, and, and, and he basically called this uh, a party. We were, we're in a Pentecost party. And when you're in a party, you want to celebrate. Amen. And so I, I give God uh, glory and, and thanks daily for, for making us uh, live in such a time where we can, we can worship freely. Amen. So Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. If you have it, say, I got it. Amen. If you don't have it, I have it up here for you. And it says this, it says, so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said, it is not for you to know the times that the father is fixed by his own authority, but you will receive what power, man, y'all said that kind of weak, man. That's, that's a, you will receive power. Amen. When the Holy spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he said these things, as they were looking on him, he lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by uh, them in white robes and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into the heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you, my God, because without you, without your Holy Spirit, we don't have salvation. Because without your Holy Spirit, we don't have conviction. We don't have repentance, my God. And because you sent your Holy Spirit and power, my God, we can, we can experience the power, the saving power of your son, Jesus. And I pray, Lord, that this morning, Father God, your Holy Spirit take over, that you have your way, your way. Come on, someone say that with me, your way. We ask that you have your way and not our way, my God. This is your time, Father. Holy Spirit, do as you wish in this moment, Father. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And you can, you can be seated this morning. I, I uh, wanted to title my message this morning, Power Source. Kind of sounds cheesy, but I, I, thought, I think it's cool. Power Source. Power Source. I want to talk, talk about the role of the Holy Spirit in, in the life of the church, because a church that is not connected to the right power source will not be activating the full potential of power that is available to her. Amen. And, and, and when Jesus told his disciples, you will receive power, it was, it was a power derived from a divine source, meaning that through this power, the power that I'm about to send you, you're not just going to impress people. You're not just going to inspire people with words. This is a life transforming power that brings people to repentance and souls saved. It is a miraculous power. That's what it means. The word is dunamis. It means miraculous power. 
And so Jesus was telling his disciples, look, the Holy Spirit is going to descend upon you and my spirit is going to be poured out upon all flesh. And through this power, the church will testify of all the things that I've done and people will be changed. Not because of what you can do, not because of what you can say, not just because of what you've witnessed, but because of the power that is behind everything that I will empower you to do. We need to understand something. I think sometimes we need a little bit of a reality check as, as Christians, especially Christians who, who maybe do any type of ministry. Um, it is not your testimony that saves people. It is not the powerful voice that you have. And we got some sisters up here who can sing powerfully. It is not their power in their voice that can save. It is not that powerful message preached by pastor. It's not, it's not any of those things. It's not a powerful ministry. Those things don't have saving power. And, and, and the type of power that the Holy Spirit brings, that is saving power. Saving power. Power to convict. Power to restore. When you come to Christ, you cannot do so without the Holy Spirit. And, and too often times, we, we want to be connected to a different power source. Too many times we allow our ministries, we allow our talents and our abilities and our testimonies, as, power, as powerful as they are, we want those to be our power sources. And that is what we plug into. And we call that the Holy Spirit. There was a song that came out, a beautiful song, beautiful song. Maybe you've heard of it. Healer. We used to sing it back in the day. Um, beautiful song. If you've never heard it, it's, it's uh, the, the words is, I, I believe yeah, my voice is a little hoarse. Uh, I believe you're my healer. Um, and it's just, it's, it's, it's a song that declares the healing power of, of Christ. Amen. And, and the person that wrote it, he wrote it in one of the most difficult seasons of his life. He had terminal cancer. And there's even a video of him, you can, you can Google it, um, where he's singing in front of a live audience. It's, it's, it's from Hillsong, and, and he's singing it, and he brings out the oxygen tank, and he's got you know, tubes in his nose, and he's with the guitar, and he's singing. He's declaring the song with, with the little bit of strength that he has, and it's very touching, very, very powerful. Well, it turns out that the guy never even had cancer. It was a full-on lie. And, and I remember, because I, I was in college, I was in, I was in, uh, in Bible, Bible college, and I remember the conversations amongst friends, and, and people were asking, why, why does so many people come to Jesus through a song that was written out of pure evil and selfish intent? Maybe you've asked yourself that question before. How was it that, that I came to Christ out of a lie? I believe someone's testimony, it, it wasn't even true. Someone prophesied over my life and it was a bad prophecy, but it brought me to Jesus. Why is it, why is it that, that, that things that are not of the Holy Spirit can bring you to Jesus? It's because salvation doesn't come from any of those things. It doesn't come from the song. It doesn't come from the sermon. It doesn't come from the ministry. Those things are used to draw people into Jesus, but only the power of the Holy Spirit will save you. And we as a body of Christ, we need to recognize the significance of that. It is the Holy Spirit 
alone. Without him, apart from him, I can do nothing. I can get up here and I can, I can try to speak really eloquent words and, and maybe I can. I mean, you got some really great speakers who are not filled with the Holy Spirit, but if we want to see lives transformed forever, not just for a moment, not just a superficial transformation, we need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. And I don't know what power source you've been trying to connect to, but it is only the Holy Spirit who will sustain. And today is, amen. Give God praise. Come on, because that's truth. That's truth. And today, today is Pentecost Sunday, and every day is Pentecost Sunday in a Pentecostal church, right? Um, but, but what is the significance of, of Pentecost? Pentecost is a Greek word meaning 50. And it, in Jewish culture, um, still today, but, but, but dating back to the, to the Old Testament church, it was a day celebrated 50, 50 days after uh, the, the festival of the first fruits. It's synonymous with the fifth, uh, festival of weeks. There's a lot of festivals in Jewish culture. And it's celebrated to simply show gratitude to God for the harvest that he provided. As Christians, we don't view it like that. Pentecost Sunday has come to mean something very different to, to evangelical Christians. For us, it, it is a day that recognizes the birth of the church, marked by the arrival of the Holy Spirit power on all believers. Amen. It's important to know that this is not, because some people think that the Holy Spirit was like born in the New Testament. No, Holy Spirit was, has always been. He was there in the primordial state of the earth. He was hovering over the waters. He was there in the, in the Old Testament. Uh, the Bible says that the spirit of the Lord would come upon people. He would come upon Samson, and Samson would have this, this, this super, super strength, right? It wasn't, it wasn't because he worked out every day. No, it was because the spirit of the Lord would rush upon him in moments where he needed it. He wasn't just walking around every day just, you know, getting into beef with people because he could, right? Sizing people up and down. No. The Holy Spirit empowered him in moments. The Holy Spirit was there in the Old Testament, and he is here today. But the day of Pentecost marks that official introduction of the Holy Spirit's power in the church. And this is the time that we're in right now. Right now. We're in that moment. There was a time where God spoke through prophets to accomplish his purpose. Then Jesus came. He accomplished his father's purpose. And now the Holy Spirit has come to accomplish the purpose of Christ in the world through the church, guided and empowered by the Spirit. That's where we're at right now. By the way, if, if you're newer to our church, maybe you're visiting today, uh, our, our church name is Numa, which is the Greek word for spirit. Amen. It also means wind. Or breath. So it was, it was God's pneuma, his breath that breathed life into the lungs of, of Adam. Uh, it was the pneuma that the apostles felt as a rushing mighty wind that filled the upper room when the Holy Spirit descended. And a couple years ago, we decided to change our name to Numa as, as the vision of our church was simply going back to the basics. We want to be a church after God's heart. And in order to do that, we, we, have, to, we have to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to, to be a church that is effective it comes with the partnership of the Holy Spirit. It comes with the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And so our church, our, our mission as a church is to be moved, led, and empowered by the Spirit of God. And the, the day of Pentecost was all about that. 
It was about the apostles being filled and baptized with the Holy Spirit so much so that they would receive power. And today I want to remind you of something. I want to remind you that the same power that was in the apostles is here today available for every believer in this room. Because the same spirit that flooded the upper room is the same spirit in here. We're not, we're not worshiping Holy Spirit 2.0. It's the same spirit. Do you believe that? I don't, I don't know how many of you actually believe it, man, because, because maybe you think that power only comes from certain spiritual gifts. Uh-oh, you thought it was going to be a feel-good sermon today. <laughs> maybe you question Pentecostal power because where, where, are, where are the miracles like the, like the New Testament church was doing? Where, where I haven't spoken in tongues. Where's, where's the physical healing? And you question that Pentecostal power. And if you're anything like me, yeah, I mean, I, I've, I spend a lot of my life studying the scriptures, man. Not, not just reading it, but studying it. There's a difference. Because I, I never want my theology to be based on what I've heard other people say. I grew up in a Pentecostal church, right? And so that might make me by default a Pentecostal Christian. I didn't want that. So I went to the word and I said, what, what, does, what is scripture actually telling us? about Pentecost. What is, the, what is the scripture actually telling us about the movement of the Holy Spirit today? Because I don't want to just be convinced of something that I heard someone else say. I don't want to just, I don't want to convince myself that I had an experience that wasn't really an experience of the Holy Spirit. And so I went, I went to scriptures and, and what does scripture tell me? Scripture says, that there are miracles. Scripture says that there are physical healings. It was happening all over the New Testament church. We, I mean, we read some crazy stuff. So we have the, 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 uh, the biblicalness. I don't know. Probably another word for it. We have the biblical support for that. Now, is, is the Holy Spirit still doing it? Well, I've experienced it. I know many of you have experienced it. I have seen, I have seen miracles. I've seen things that only God can do. And listen, when I say that, a miracle isn't, oh man, what a miracle she got married. No, that's not a miracle, okay? <laughs> Might be very improbable, but it, improbabilities are not miracles. And too many times we cheapen the word miracle because we, we, we think something is a miracle. It's just improbable. But improbabilities can happen. Miracles are not possible. It can only be God. And I have seen things that can only be God. So because scripture tells me these things and because I've seen these things, not often, but I have, my conviction is that the Holy Spirit's power that was exercised in the early church is still available. It's still available. What if you lived your life without expectation that the same Holy Spirit, uh, the same Holy Spirit's power that we read about and the apostles is available for the here and now as well. But it always goes back to the question, well, why don't I see miracles? Why don't I see healing? What, where is this Pentecostal power on a daily basis? And can I tell you, church, I think those are the wrong questions to be asking. I think we have misplaced our priorities, as did the disciples. So let me go to scripture. The disciples of Jesus, the Bible talks about them being very saddened kind of towards the end of, of Jesus' ministry because Jesus was frequently telling them that he was going to leave them. He had to go. I'm going to go and sit at the right hand of the Father and I'm going I'm I'm to be with them. 
Um, and, and, and this kind of discouraged the disciples. It, it left them kind of confused because it seemed like this was a time where everything was going right. And Jesus is only, you know, he's in his early 30s. Like, why, why are you checking out so quickly? At a time like this, miracles are happening. People are getting healed. People are receiving the message of Christ. The disciples are part of something big and something historic. And Jesus is here talking about suffering and dying. And then Peter, uh, Peter even rebukes Jesus for talking like that. And they're saddened. They don't quite understand why Jesus is talking this way. Why, why does Jesus have to leave? And then after Jesus goes to the cross, right, he resurrects. And now the question they're asking is, Lord, will at this time you restore the kingdom of Israel? They were constantly thinking about the here and now. And frankly, a a little bit about themselves a lot. They were a little selfish, if we can be honest. The Gospels record the disciples arguing about who would be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. They would ask Jesus, who's going to have the highest rank? You know? And then, and, and then the Bible talks about the Apostle John one time witnessing someone cast, cast out a demon in the name of Jesus. But because he wasn't a disciple, it offended him. And he goes and he goes tattle on the guy. And he goes tell Jesus, hey, this guy's over here. He's casting out demons in your name. That, that's, we're the elite, not him. And then John and James, uh, and, and another occasion, they request to sit by Jesus' side in his kingdom. Like, hey, hey Jesus, what, what do I got to do to get a special, a special seat? Can, can we, I mean, can we come to that realization that at first the disciples of Jesus were only in it for themselves? They, they wanted the privilege of serving in the kingdom of Jesus. And, and the way that they thought about kingdom was very typical. They envisioned an earthly kingdom. Right. And even now, after Jesus resurrected, after they have more context. After they should they should have a better understanding of what Jesus was trying to do. They're yet again asking about themselves. Okay. Is it now time to restore the kingdom of of Israel? Their priorities are still out of order. And so Jesus immediately responds to their question. And he says, don't worry about the time. It's not for you to know. How many times do we worry so much about things that we're not even supposed to know? If God wanted you to know, he would tell you. He would reveal it. I asked a question yesterday to, to some guys, and uh, Pastor Brandon and Pastor Maris always say that I, I come up with the weirdest questions, but it's just, I don't know, my mind's weird, man. My, my, my question was, my, my, it's, it bothers me, bro. It's been, it's like, all my life, it's bothered me. My question was, did Adam and Eve have belly buttons? <laughs> I mean, they, they either did or didn't, right? And I'm going to go with no because, you know, there was no umbilical cord, you know? So, but I just... Stresses me out, man. Like I want to know. <laughs> so, <laughs> what kind of fruit was was the of the fruit of the forbidden tree? Right. Like, if God wanted you to know, and so many times we preoccupy ourselves with things that we don't even know uh, need to know, and it distracts us from the greater purpose, from what God is trying to tell us to do, and we're trying to figure out the details. Is it time to? To restore the kingdom of Israel is now the time. And Jesus is like, don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about the time. Don't worry about the season. It's not for you to know. Instead, worry about the mission. Worry about the calling. 
And, and he leaves them with the great commission, right? Matthew 28, 19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And he says, you will receive power to do these things. That's what I want you to focus on. That's what I want you to focus on. The mission empowered by the Holy Spirit that I am about to send you. And today, we're not really asking the same questions that the disciples were asking, but we're still asking the wrong questions. Our priorities are not receiving the Holy Spirit. It's receiving something from the Holy Spirit. We're often, we're often seeking the gift and not the giver. We often seek aspects of power, but not the power source. You know, if my prayer every Sunday, which many times it is, but if my main prayer every week is, Lord, let me see miracles, let me see miracles, let me see miracles, and not Holy Spirit have your way. Holy Spirit have your way. Because I, I don't, I, I think I know, right? And sometimes we think we know more than God. We're like, God, if, if, if only they just saw this miracle. If only you just did this thing, right? If only you just cast out this demon, everybody would believe. Do this. And we want to tell the Holy Spirit how to work. Come on, Holy Spirit, you're so powerful. Do this. And we treat him like he's our servant. Sometimes we treat the Holy Spirit like we're in charge. And we forget that the Holy Spirit is not a thing. He's not a thing. He's a person. He's a person. But we approach him and we say, Holy Spirit, give me. Holy Spirit, bring me. Holy Spirit, empower me in this way. The way that so many Christians, and especially Pentecostals, think of the Holy Spirit is no more than a gift giver. Spiritual dispense machine. And maybe the reason that you have felt powerless as a Christian is because you're trying to copy someone else's gift. You're not really allowing the Holy Spirit control over your life. Rather, you see the Holy Spirit working through someone else and you try to imitate that. We're not going to be powerful Christians like that. We're not going to be operating in the power of the Holy Spirit by simply imitating others and not allowing the Holy Spirit complete control over our lives. And and I know what I'm talking about because I know exactly what it is to want somebody else's gift. And I think many ministers, I, I think many pastors probably at one point in their life, they struggle with that because they're always comparing themselves to someone else. And so we want somebody else's gift. I, I've, I've been jealous of other people's spiritual gifts, and it's not a good place to be because you make it more about the gift than the spirit, and that shows a person's true colors. It shows us that we don't really care about a relationship. We just want the product. We don't really care about being connected to the vine. We just want the fruit. And God, God desires that we seek him Not parts of him, all of him. And it's the same way with the Holy Spirit. How many of us can honestly say that we wake up daily saying, Lord, Holy Spirit, take control of my life in the way that you want. Not in the way that I want. Some of us might want the Holy Spirit simply for personal gain. The Bible talks about Simon, right? Simon the sorcerer who... uh, he was, he was a sorcerer before he came to Jesus. And then, and then he receives the message of Christ and he's saved, right? 
But then he begins to witness the apostles at work and the Holy Spirit empowering the apostles. And he sees that and he becomes jealous of that. He says, give me, give me what you have because he wants to use it for monetary gain. And I hate so much of, of, of how the church has viewed the Holy Spirit as simply a thing to be used. We are the ones to be used. We are the ones. We're, we're the instrument. He is the power source. But we view him as something to help our ministry in a way that is convenient for us. But Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to empower the church to bring people to Jesus. You feeling all right this morning? Amen. I just, I, 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 have, I have a desire that, man, we, because the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is, is, is a very mysterious aspect of the Godhead of the Trinity. I, I, I feel like, you know, when I teach theology classes, I can, I can teach pretty well on God the Father. I can teach pretty well on, on God the Son. When we get to God the, the Holy Spirit, there, there's such a mystery. There's such a mysterious aspect to the Holy Spirit. And it's like it's, it's le- he's left to interpretation, but that's not, that's not right. The Holy Spirit is a, is a person, and he was sent with a purpose to empower the church Now, you have to know the mission of the church to understand the reason behind the Holy Spirit's power. What is the mission of the church? It is to to be a beacon of hope for a lost world. It is to bring people to Jesus. It is to uh, shine the glory on God. And a church that desires to show the world God's glory will be empowered to do so. But if we want to bypass that and we want to make it about ourselves, there's not going to be any power there. You're going, to have to, you're going to have to work with your talent and your, your personal giftings. But, but the Holy Spirit, he's here to glorify God. He is here to bring the message of Christ to the world. I think in the early church, the Holy Spirit's power was displayed for the world to see. But today, the Holy Spirit's power is displayed for congregations to see. We have belittled the power of the Holy Spirit by just keeping him here on Sundays. Think about this. Look, immediately after Pentecost, what did the disciples do? They went out. They went out. Peter preached a message. Thousands of people came to accept Jesus. Because the disciples lived their lives with urgency. We lost the urgency. We've become comfortable. The disciples had no idea how much time they had left to deliver the message of Christ. Jesus said, look, don't worry about, don't worry about the, the time. Pretend like you ain't got no time. Worry about the mission. And that's what they did. That is what they devoted their lives to. To them, Jesus could have been coming the following day, the following week. So they lived with urgency. They took the good news of the gospel to the world and they made it their mission with the full weight of the Holy Spirit behind them. But they only came to understand their mission when the day of Pentecost arrived. Remember, up until now, they were still asking the wrong questions. They were concerned with what Jesus was going to do for them, right? Jesus even says this in John 16. He's telling the disciples that, that he must leave. He must return to the Father, but the Holy Spirit is coming. He says in, in John 16, 12, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them yet. 
When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and whatever, and, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. So it wasn't until they received the power of the Holy Spirit that their eyes were opened, that they understood the message, their mission as a church. This was a culmination of the church and the Holy Spirit uh, the Holy Spirit's uh, relationship with them, it, it, was now, it, it was now revealed to them, okay, this is why the Holy Spirit has been sent. It's to birth the church. But they weren't seeking a gift. They were seeking the Spirit. They knew the Spirit of, of God was coming. They, it, it was told to them, I will send the helper. The Holy Spirit is coming. They didn't really know what to expect. What do they do? They just waited. Something's coming in some form. We just have to be united and expectant. We have to be united and expectant. That's what the disciples had in that room. They had unity and they had expectancy. I believe mighty things happen. The Bible says where, where, where two or more are gathered. That means where two or more are in agreement. If, if you study the Greek text, it, that's what it's talking about. It's not just being congregated. It's not just being in the same room. It's in agreement. When the church comes together with, with, one, with one thing in mind, just to worship God and to receive whatever he has for us, the Holy Spirit will descend. That's what they had in that upper room. They weren't seeking a gift. They were seeking the Spirit. And once he fell, they were empowered to do great things. What Man, what if we began to seek the Holy Spirit in, in a way that was not selfish? What if we began to say that every, every day, Holy Spirit, fill me, use me in the way that you want to use me. Let me not have a say in, 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 in what you want to do. What if we just gave in completely to the power source that is the Holy Spirit? I want you to think about this. The first miracle that the Holy Spirit does in the church, what is it? Not a trick question. What is it? The gift of speaking in tongues. Yes. They begin to speak in tongues. That's the first thing. Now, if you don't really understand why that is, you might think, well, that's kind of weird. It's like an odd gift to speak in tongues. Like, why were they speaking in tongues? Well, the Bible tells us that the tongues that they were speaking were different languages, different earthly languages. All right, let's read Acts 2, shall we? It's Pentecost Sunday after all. Acts 2, it says this, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Verse 5 says, now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation, under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and all of those other places, right? Let's go down to verse 11. Both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. 
This is the beginning of the fulfillment of the prophecy in Joel chapter 2. Where God says, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Not just the Jews. All flesh. Over every nation under heaven. So the first miracle that the Holy, uh, that the Holy Spirit empowers the disciple with is putting the gospel on their lips so that everyone can understand it. That is the gift that was brought on the day of Pentecost. The gospel message in different languages. And immediately after this, they understood what they were waiting for. They understood why they had to leave. They understood their mission as a church. It was to testify about Jesus and truly to take it to the nations. Take it to the nations. Because this Jesus isn't just for the Jews. This Jesus isn't just for me. This Jesus isn't just for Numa Church. It's not just for this community. It is for the whole world to see. The whole world to see. And so they understood it. Okay, we, we have the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Now let's take this message to the world. Let's do something with it. And they went so confidently. Because when you have the Holy Spirit, you are confident. I'm not confident in myself. I'm not. Sometimes I get up here and, and honestly, sometimes I'm like, my God, I need your help because I don't even know what I just wrote. Help me take over. And when the Holy Spirit takes over, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, man, it is it is such an incredible feeling because like there is this confidence that, you know, is not from you because you don't really walk around with confidence every day. But the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you do some amazing things empowered by him. That's why the Holy Spirit was given. And it's a beautiful thing. It's a powerful thing. But the Holy Spirit, it's, it's not just, and I say this, I sound like a broken record. It's not just for our entertainment. It's not just to wow people. It wasn't simply to heal people physically. It was all tied to the mission of Christ. And we shouldn't, <laughs> we shouldn't feel good about ourselves if we can speak in tongues but we can't tell people about Jesus out of the church in English. You can speak in tongues, but you can't tell somebody about Jesus in your native tongue. I said this earlier, man, the same power that disciples operated in is still here. It's in this room. Because the mission, the mission of the church is still intact. It's in effect. And so as long as the mission is in effect, the power is still available. I want to have the worship team come up. My desire, I know our desires as leaders, as pastors, is to, is to not just pastor a, a spirit-filled church, but but. But to, but to experience it with y'all. I want to see this church filled with the Spirit of God. Filled with the Spirit of God. I, 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 I want to see joy in the room that I know is not fake. 
Because sometimes we come knowing that we have to have joy because we're coming to the house of God. And so we put on a fake smile. What if, it, what if your smile became authentic? What if it was real? What if the peace that you possess was not just yourself trying to psych yourself out? What if you lived in the peace of God because this Holy Spirit was in you, dwelling in you? That's what, that's what I want to see in this church, man. I want us to come in week after week and worship in unity and receive whatever the Holy Spirit wants us to receive in that moment and then we take it out because so many times we, we come in and we're filled with power and we don't do anything with it. We don't tell anybody about it. The fruit that, that we should be producing, we don't let people see. But the Holy Spirit wants to empower this morning. He wants to empower you. He wants to take you another level the Bible says in Joel it's also repeated in Acts I just I just referenced it. it says in the last days it shall be God declares I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams now can I be honest we focus much more on the latter part of that verse than the first so we say, God, give me dreams to dream. God, give me vision. God, give me the gift of prophecy. But we hardly ever say, God, pour your spirit upon me. We want to direct his gifts. We want to pick and choose. Like the Holy Spirit is on an ice cream truck. And we say, give me that one. My prayer this week, man, was God, fill, fill us with that spirit. Fill us with your spirit inundate us with your spirit I don't want us to leave today satisfied that we had a good service I'm, 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 that doesn't impress me I don't think it impresses God to have just a good service you have to leave changed you have to live, leave empowered and take that power with you it's like, it's like Monday through Saturday, we're supposed to be using everything that we received on Sunday. And then Sunday, we come back and we worship God and we receive another gifting. We're like, all right, God, I'll be back next Sunday with my, to, 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 to get some more power to deliver into the world that you have called me to preach into. That is the Holy Spirit. That, that was the day of Pentecost. The day of Pentecost was when the Holy Spirit gave power to the church to take the gospel to the nations. And if you don't understand the Holy Spirit, I hope you do today. And my prayer is that you pray, God, fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your spirit. Can we do that this morning? Come on, with just open, open hearts this morning. Can you stand this morning? And I want that to be our prayer. Thanks for listening. If you'd like some more information on Numa Church, visit us on our website at mynumachurch.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with your friends on social media and tag us at mynumachurch. Thanks again and God bless.